Welcome to the Demons in My Mind podcast, where we take an unfiltered view on the issues of life. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you one of my good friends, Samuel Prithiv. He's an existential thinker, and today he's going to be talking about loving with intention, specifically loving through pain. I hope you all enjoy it, and be sure to let us know what you think. Here's Samuel. Hi, my name is Samuel Prithiv. I'm tuning in from Bangalore, India. In this episode, I'd like for us to think about the relationship between manifesting and love, or faith and love. I mean love in a general sense, in terms of wanting the best for someone, irrespective of what you have to gain or lose from it. I don't speak of faith in the religious sense, in a particular belief, but rather in terms of manifesting your thoughts into reality, into existence. And when I speak of God or the divine, I'm referring to the infinite creative force in the universe that inhabits the infinite and finite realms. There are some memories that feel more real than the experience of the present. Your senses and reminiscence saturated, almost pushing out any space for conscious reflection when it is happening. In that moment, there are no lessons to learn, words to pull, or stories to tell. I remember one such moment. It was during Christmas break in 2015. I was staying with a friend named Jason. He just lost a cousin. Sarah died in a freak road accident at the age of 21. I distinctly remember the song The Light Came Down by Josh Geralds. It had just been released a few days ago. Every morning, I would hear him sobbing as the song played in the background. I would awake slowly to the stringed intro interwoven with muffled sobs. Measure by measure, the song progressively turned from humble to hopeful. The song talks about a bright light shining in the dark night. But I can still remember that grief. The providence of the divine for me to just be there for my friend. Okay, let's go go back in history a little bit. Kierkegaard was a 19th century Danish philosopher whose work formed the basis for much of modern um, psychology and mainly existential psychotherapy. So let's break this down just a little bit. Existentialism is the branch of philosophy that deals with life's biggest questions. Questions like, why are we on this earth? Why do we all feel pain in this life? How do we make sense of the anxiety we feel about death? In his books, Fear and Trembling, Kierkegaard talks about the paradoxical nature of faith or manifesting. He says, through faith, I don't renounce anything. On the contrary, in faith, I receive everything. Exactly in the way 
It is said that one whose faith is like a mustard seed can move mountains. It takes a purely human courage to renounce the whole of temporality in order to win eternity. But it takes a paradoxical and humble courage to grasp the whole of temporality on the strength of the absurd. And that courage is the courage of faith." End quote. Now, what is the absurd? I'll, I'll break that down for you as we go along. Sarah just passed, abruptly, shockingly. The painful irony is that faith recognizes that Sarah can just stay dead and right in that tension makes the movement to know that the divine might raise her up from the dead. This belief in the possibility of her resuscitation is the absurd that Kierkegaard speaks of. For almost a week, I would wake to the sob-drenched song. Jason would always play that song first. I think he played it because Josh Geralds might have been Sarah's favorite artist. Every day, we would release intention into the universe to resuscitate her. She did not. This further broke Jason's heart. As in addition to losing her once already, he decided to invest emotionally in her resuscitation. This was an act of love through the channel of faith, putting aside what he could gain from the situation while understanding that Stara could still stay dead. Similarly, I suspect when we're loving others without any ulterior motive, whether they would love us back or proclaim to the world that we are loving them, willing only for their good, we are manifesting a positive cycle towards the universe. When we are operating in this way, we build pockets of familiarity. We make room for human connection, opening the door for affection and pain. It is absurd to choose to show love once we're hurt, as our psyche is aware of all the ways in which someone could possibly hurt us again. Especially for those of us who deal with anxiety, choosing to love again feels like giving a loaded gun to a trigger-happy monkey, hoping it wouldn't shoot us even on accident. C.S. Lewis said, to love is to be vulnerable, end quote. When a relationship or person dies, we are losing a way to experience familiarity. The living nuances of that relationship are painted over by a thick black paint. We can revisit the memories, but they're always tinged with a bit of nostalgia. Last night, I had a conversation with a friend uh, from Canada. She was telling me how her recent move to Canada was affecting her. She would open Google Maps and follow along the routine path she would take physically in Bangalore, India. 
while she was in Bangalore, she would do this every two to three weeks. You know, it's nice to be able to do that alone, traveling and exploring, when you know that there's the possibility of company if you desired it. That, that company, that familiarity is within reach. When that thirst for a relationship is quenched, or rather the perception of plausible company is quenched, we can commit our faculties to experiencing whatever is before us to enriched saturation. I think we can all agree that within us lies the burning and yet mostly silent desire to connect with those around and even to connect with something out there. And no matter how much it is challenged, we feel that healthy desire to wager on the possibility of connection again. In Jason's case, from a strictly rational sense, Sarah's death should have made him wary of waging his emotions or faith on showing love or opening himself to love in the future. Instead, his love for Sarah provided the soil to love again deeply. And I lived through this. I saw him step out in faith to love people. Quoting from a poet named Thomas Campbell, he says, "'Tis distance leads enchantment to the view and robes the mountain in its azure hue. So oftentimes, we love so that we can feel loved back. This keeps us in a self-made prison with bars made of specific expectations. Don't get me wrong. I fully believe there are situations in which there needs to be give and take. But if your core motivation is for intending the good of another, you will be fulfilled like you've never experienced before. You love not to fill the empty space in your heart, but just so that one person experiences love. Quoting from Kierkegaard again, to love God and not have faith makes you reflect on yourself. To love God and have faith makes you reflect on the divine. Most of what we see around us is finite. I believe faith comes from an infinite realm. This infinite realm is inhabited by the divine. There's no end to how much faith you can channel from this realm. All of us have experienced the death of relationships with family and friends. Yet we have the choice to make the infinite movement of faith or manifestation to connect. Manifesting the energy from the infinite realm of the divine to the finite realm of the present. Wagering on the finitude and fragility of human beings. It is easier to wage the finite gift on infinite possibility than to waste the infinite gift on a finite possibility. Let me explain. It would be easier for me to tailor an elaborate dream of becoming a musician without even buying a guitar during my lifetime. It will continue to just stay a dream. To wage the infinite on the finite is like planting a seed. The seed contains the possibility of infinite forest 
and the action of faith involves selling everything I own to water that seed. When it is pure and nourishing, it has the possibility of granting shade to hundreds of generations to come. The Pygmalion effect is a psychological phenomenon when high expectations lead to improved performance in a given area. Its name comes from the story of Pygmalion, a mythical Greek sculptor. Pygmalion carved a statue of a woman and then became enamored with it. Unable to love a human, Pygmalion appealed to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. She took pity and brought the statue to life. The couple married and went on to have a daughter, Paphos. In the same way, Pygmalion's fixation on the statue brought it to life. Our focus on a belief could possibly do the same. I've noticed these psychological phenomena play out in a class of fifth graders that I taught. In India, where I live, students are given coveted class monitor duties based on their academic performance. Typically, teachers don't have high expectations from underperforming students. These students never get to serve as class monitor. As a student, I was average at everything and deeply struggled with self-doubt. Consequentially, I never got to be a class monitor. I hope for things to be different for my students. I decided to give more responsibility to the students that were underperforming. I would call them aside and encourage them in their abilities from time to time. It was difficult and it took time. The students and teachers did not understand this at first and since this was my first time teaching, I felt like an idiot. In a few months, something miraculous happened. These students who were scoring 4s and 5s out of 25 points were scoring over 15 points in their test. That was three times what they were previously scoring. A simple belief in their abilities and some attention profoundly shifted the way they saw themselves and the obstacles they faced. And I don't know if this would change their lives forever, but that showed me the power of the faith in the finite, in our everyday lives. Maybe the sob drenched song is a metaphor for how faith and love relate. The song, the beautiful song interspersed with sobs is a reflection of our lives. We often choose to love and then are hit in the face with pain, grief, shock, abandonment, and fear. And then the song continues. We exercise our faith and this enables the song to proceed. And this starts the cycle again. But each and every time we make the movement of faith, full well rationally perceiving that the consequence of our faith might not result in what we desire full well knowing that we can be rejected we can be hurt we can be hopeless we strive and we live if i'm being honest i was really nervous about putting this out there i don't know if you were able to gain new perspective through this episode but if you made it to the end Thank you. I'm being released from the need for audience affirmation too. <laughs> Knowing full well that it might be rejected by every single person, I've given this to you 
as an act of love channeled through faith. Now, what will you do? Thank you for listening to the Demons in My Mind podcast, where we take an unfiltered view on the issues of life. If you're wanting to learn a little bit more about spirituality and how that connects to mental health, feel free to follow me at talkreal.co and be sure to follow Samuel at Samuel Prithiv. Again, thanks for listening. I hope this brought a sense of positivity to you and allows you to live life with increased intention, love, and focus today. Be blessed as you progress on your journey.